priestly father in Jerusalem and grew up in Jerusalem during the reforms of King Josiah and Jeremiah. It is likely that he was a student of Jeremiah and was well-educated. He was 24 years old when taken in the second wave of exiles to Babylon in 587 B.C. Unlike Jeremiah, he was married, and his wife went into exile with him to a small village on the Kibar River, which is actually a ship canal. For five years, there was nothing from God for the exiles except some word sent to the exiles by Jeremiah, who was still in Jerusalem. <laughs> the book of Ezekiel opens with God's commission of Ezekiel 1.1. Quote, In the thirtieth year, on the fifth day of the fourth month, while I was among the exiles on a river, Kibar, the heavens opened, and I saw the visions of God. End quote. Ezekiel finds out about the fall of Jerusalem in chapter 33, verses 21 and 22. From there on, the message of the book changes dramatically. Starting in chapter 33, there is a shift from judgment and condemnation to hope and promise of restoration of hope for the people in the city of Jerusalem. He describes a time of profound blessing for God's people. It is clear to me from Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, that God takes no delight in judgment and destroying sinners. I find it incredible that the God of the universe goes looking for sinners. He first warns them and then gives them every opportunity to repent and be saved. To accomplish these warnings, he uses watchmen. As a watchman, if you do not sound the alarm, they will be punished, the sinners will be punished for their sins, but their blood will be on your head for not warning them, Ezekiel 33. It must be noted that forgetting of sin by God is not new with Jesus. See Ezekiel 33:15. Get that none of his sins are remembered. Our pastors are watchmen for their congregation. They must preach biblical truth. If you are a parent, or a grandparent, you're a watchman. If you are a Sunday school teacher, you're a watchman. If you are a committed believer, you're a watchman for your neighbor and all outside the church. Watchmen must not be spectators. <clears throat> Next, in the continuing development of restoration is the role of one shepherd concept. Using the goat and sheep comparison, later used by Jesus, <laughs> Ezekiel says, and I quote, in 34:23 and I will set up over them one shepherd my servant David and he shall feed them he shall feed them and be their shepherd and I the Lord will be their god and my servant David <coughs> shall be a prince among them I am the Lord I have spoken end quote now David has been dead for over 500 years so the scripture refers to the fulfillment of the Davidic kingdom by the Messiah. God makes it abundantly clear that this restoration process is not for the people's sake, but is to be accomplished for His glory and His namesake. Question, do you ever really consider God's reputation? More fundamentally still, how sensitive are you about the third commandment, using God's name in vain? It is far more than using a curse word. Do you ever use the abbreviation OMG? How do you suppose God feels about that? In the promise of restoration is included a new heart that will be in keeping with them and directed towards God. 
Find this promise in Ezekiel 36, 24. It is also found in Jeremiah and in Hebrews. Chapter 37 begins with another vision when the Lord takes Ezekiel to a valley of bones, very dry and dead bones, which represent the nation of Israel. <clears throat> the exiles in their despair had developed a saying, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We have been clean cut off. The Lord uses his mindset of hopelessness to illustrate a picture of restoration. Note the Lord in restoring the scattered bones to a functional body uses the same progression of construction that was used <coughs> in creation. First, the shaping of the body. Later, breathing in the spiritual life. Both stages are entirely God's work. The picture would have been a, a great encouragement to the exiles. The vision illustrates two spiritual truths. First, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and secondly, the resurrection of the dead. There is a promise of Israel and Judah being re rejoined and the Israelites inhabiting the land promised by God. Quote, Then they shall know that the Lord will make Israel a holy nation and my sanctuary forever. End quote. Chapters 38 and 39 forecast the attack on Jerusalem and Israel by Gog and Magog and all the surrounding nations. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Gog and Magog and others are from Japheth who settled in the northern lands of Europe and Asia after the Tower of Babel. Cush and Put were inhabited by the descendants of Ham. Abraham and the land of Israel is from Shem. Gog will attack Israel, Israel, and on the same time, there will be a great earthquake in Israel. The vision reports God's miraculous intervention for his people, resulting in the total annihilation of Israel's enemies. The final chapter, 40, chapters 44 through 8, is one of the long vision precisely dated in chapter 40.1 of Ezekiel. When Ezekiel was transported by vision to a rebuilt Jerusalem with a new temple at the center. This section of the book is considered by commentators to be one of the most difficult passages in all of Scripture. There is a biblical truism that is applicable here. It states, and I quote, that God will not always reveal enough to satisfy our intellectual curiosity, but he does reveal enough for us to be obedient. The vision would seem to be an ideal picture of a restored Jewish temple. <clears throat> but the description, if taken literally, it would be impossible because of its size and also the specific delineation of the 12 tribes which no longer exist. The stream <clears throat> coming from the east, threshold from the temple, and flowing to the Dead Sea it has a rate of increase of depth and quality of water that is unlike any known in the known world. Finally, the spiritual worship of Christianity seems totally incompatible with a return to the rituals of temple worship. Thankfully, our salvation does not require understanding of the scripture. In the river, there is a strong resemblance of the river in Revelation. It reveals the absolute truth that anyone can drink of the living water and God will be there. Ezekiel, a story of judgment, Justice, forgiveness, restoration, and a beautiful future 
if you give heed in your heart to God and walk in his way. I recommend everyone read chapter 1 of Ezekiel, for in my opinion, nowhere else in the Bible is there such a vivid picture of God's power, grandeur, and majesty. May the Lord bless you and give you strength to always continue in his way. Have a good day.